our reading this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. And so if you have your Bible, please follow along and the words will be on the screen. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Amen. Let's just pray for Shirley as she comes to speak to us as a church. Father God, we thank you again this morning for your word. Uh, we thank you that your word is living and active. And we thank you that you speak to us uh, through your word, by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for Shirley. We thank you for the time that she has spent this week in preparation and in your word. And we pray that you would give us open hearts and open minds to receive from you through what Shirley will bring to us this morning. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome to the service this morning uh, at Finlay Church and we are going to be looking at the passage from Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 to 4 this morning and it's a passage that is all about urging us not to drift away in our salvation. These passages uh, are held between obviously chapter one and the rest of chapter two. And chapter one, we know because we've been listening over the last two weeks and we've been spending time in this chapter, really presents a powerful demonstration of Christ's divinity uh, through the testimony of scripture. Jesus higher than the angels. And then in chapter two, where we'll be going to over the next few weeks, is actually turning our attention to Jesus, who is, it's all about Christ's humanity. Uh, turning our attention to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for a little while lower than the angels, it tells us in chapter 2, verse 9. And so this passage this morning sits right in between almost these two very heavyweight, uh, what some would call um, doctrinal expositions of the truths of Jesus. And this small set of verses is what is known in Hebrews as exhortations, applications. And they're there for a purpose, they're there for a reason. And they're spread out throughout the whole book of Hebrews. There's a theologian called James Smith. And in his book, Imagining the Kingdom, he suggests that this pattern in Hebrews creates a really strong story and a full story 
of Jesus Christ. That doesn't only tell us about it, but through these exhortations, urges us to play a part in it. He says it is crucial that the story of God and Christ redeeming the world be the very air that we breathe, the scaffolding around us. Another theologian, Kevin Van Hooser, uh, in his book, Drama of Doctrine, which I really enjoy, uh, reminds us that although doctrine uh, the doctrine exposition that I talked about, chapter one and the rest of chapter two, is very important and in fact profitable, he says, in celebrating, communicating, uh, thinking and coping. He says it's the theodramatic identity or it's the being in Christ that will help us find our way into the story, into the relationship of our life in so great a salvation. So let's think about this exhortation this morning. Let's turn to the end of Hebrews though, in chapter 13, verse 22. It says this, but I urge you, says the writer, brethren, bear with this word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. This is the end of the letter. And the writer to the Hebrews is kind of pointing back at this point and he's, he's intimating that there are going to be these sections of exhortation. And he's saying at that point, at the end of the letter, as he's summing it up, pay attention to them. He's urging them. Uh, he's calling them brethren. It's coming out of a heart posture of care. And this word exhortation is a 15th century English word which means to address or communicate emphatically, it says, uh, urging someone to do something. And so the writer to the Hebrews uh, is really highlighting that these sections are really important. There are seven sections throughout the whole letter, and I would encourage you to read the whole letter uh, and, and just kind of see where it goes in and out of doctrine exposition uh, into this applicational exhortation. Uh, the titles in your Bible might give you a clue, um, but have a look at that and have a go to it and, and kind of just, you know, plot it as we go through Hebrews. But this morning we want to look at the first one. We want to look at chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 4. Let me just read it to you again. For this reason, it says, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every violation or act of disobedience received a just punishment, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Because after it was first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testified with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. For what reason must we pay closer attention? 
Well, in chapter 1, verse 14, it tells us who are to inherit salvation. We're to pay attention because those who inherit salvation have to understand what it means. What does it mean to have our salvation, to live a life in Christ? The writer wants us to pay more, closer attention, not just pay attention, pay closer attention to the gift of our salvation. Because our Christian walk often throws us curveballs. Um, we can remember the day that we received our salvation. What a joyous day. We've all got a testimony to that. We can remember the, the days to follow and just the, the newness of it all and the sense of what it felt like to be walking in time with the Holy Spirit. But what happens five years down the line, 10 years down the line, 50 years down the line? Do we need to be urged to pay closer attention? It almost comes to mind uh, those words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2.12, where he urges the Christian to outwork their salvation. And so this is what this exhortation, I think, is all about, speaking into the reality of our Christian life. Let's go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Deuteronomy and to Exodus, just to grapple a little bit about the aspects of paying closer attention to our salvation. What, what does that mean? Um, have we to read more? Have we to uh, understand more? What have we to do? Well, remember the original hearers of the letter to the Hebrews would have been from the Jewish faith. And so some things that were being said in this book um, may have sparked something, resonated uh, in their minds and in their hearts as the writer of this book was urging them. And when we think of paying closer attention, Deuteronomy 6.45, the very familiar Shema prayer comes to mind because it's more than listening that the writer to the Hebrews is asking us to do. And this prayer, this Shema prayer, was a daily practice. It was a prayer of, that literally means listening. Listening, taking heed, hearing, but also doing. It was an action uh, that was coming out of the prayer. And it was recited on special days in Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, the holiest day of the year, as well as being a daily practice, and often was the last words before death. And actually, when they recite it, they put both hands over their eyes just to really cement that concentration, that paying attention. And I think this is what the writer to the Hebrews was getting at. The Shema prayer says, Hear, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your strength. The writer to the Hebrews is exhorting us to pay closer attention through installing rhythms of contemplative and listening prayer, engaging with the Lord Jesus, our salvation. It's like the air that we breathe or the scaffolding that surrounds us, suggested by James Smith. And there's another thing, there's another word in these passages. In verse 3, the writer to the Hebrews uses the word escape. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Now, when I read this, my mind turned to one of the most famous escape or rescue missions in the Old Testament. And I think that these listeners being Jewish would have probably turned to this place also. The place of a rescue mission of God found in Exodus through Moses. Now, comparing, in effect, two rescue missions, the Old and the New Testament, uh, is suggested by most, most scholars uh, as more of a this word homology or a sort of showing a correspondence between the two deliverances, rather than setting a pattern of what they would say as hermeneutical principle to interpret the Christ event. We're not trying to interpret the Christ event through the Exodus, but there's some correspondence that's coming up. It's making us think. And I think there's a couple of things in it that really are helpful for this uh, exhortation of, you know, don't neglect our salvation, don't drift. So let's have a look. Um, because as we go through Exodus, if you want to turn to Exodus, but read it afterwards, um, there's lots of things in it that may have started to come into their mind as they were thinking of their salvation, their new salvation in Christ Jesus, and something that they've seen of God before. Exodus 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 14. Uh, it gives us a description of life. Life was bitter. Uh, life was hard. Life was hopeless. And that's not dissimilar to the reality of life as we know it. And life without Christ, without salvation. A struggle. In chapter 3, verse 7 in Exodus, God says to Moses, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt, heard their cry and concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. It was a rescue from bondage into freedom. Israel became God's chosen people. God delivers the people. God is central and God is victorious. Chapter 15 of Exodus, verse 2. Miriam and Moses' song sings, The Lord has become my salvation. And when we think of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, God came down. That's what the rest of chapter 2 is going to tell us more about. The, the Jesus Christ who came to earth, born Christ child, vulnerable, 
God made flesh for our salvation. And that child born into vulnerability, we see in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, that Moses, who was God's person for the rescue plan uh, at that time, was raised up, was uh, chosen, was called and was empowered by God, a child born into vulnerability. We also see that there were signs and wonders performed. In chapter 7 through to chapter 11 in Exodus, we see many. And in verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 2, it says, after it was first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us through those who had heard, God also testifying within them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Signs and wonders in the rescue plan of God in Exodus, signs and wonders, we can see it throughout the gospel and they're still here today. And so we see comparisons and the early hearers uh, of this passage in Hebrews may have remembered this great rescue for their ancestors. Yet, they will also remember that the response of their ancestors, did they neglect such great a rescue plan? Did they drift away from their rescue? If you read on in the story of the Exodus, in the story of Israel and the promised land, it is very clear to see that the people did turn away. They did drift away at times. They drifted through grumbling, through their own will, not God's will, through pride, through unforgiveness, through apathy, through laziness. They drifted through comfiness. Here they are as Jewish Christians and the writer is urging them now to consider, therefore, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Urging them not to drift again, not to settle into a rhythm of drifting. As human beings, we can drift, we can, we can wander. And the writer to the Hebrews is saying, pay attention to what the potential is that can be. Have you ever been in a lilo at the beach? It's a prime example. You can be just in the best place ever and all can be going so well. And then the next minute, you open your eyes and you've kind of drifted off and you're, you're, you're too far from the shore. And you start to panic and you start to think, right, how am I going to get back in? Well, it's a bit like that in the Christian life. There's a warning here, isn't there, in this exhortation. Before we 
gallop into the rest of chapter two and just learn more about the doctrine of Jesus, the doctrine of salvation, which is a good thing to do. The writer here is saying, stop a minute. Stop and consider what this salvation is to you. What is this salvation? Hebrews 2 verse 2 says, For the word spoken through the angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a penalty. How will we escape if we neglect such great a salvation? Again, the writer to the Hebrews is drawing the hearer's attention to what it would be like without such a great salvation through Jesus Christ. Verses in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 may have came to mind when God presents the consequences uh, before Moses for the people. It says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. Have I that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. You see, the point is that in Christ, we haven't been offered a harsher consequence. Rather, that is the reason this salvation is so great. It delivers us from such consequences. And the writer to the Hebrews is, is shouting that, is preaching, is coming from a heart posture to the hearers of this word, to you and me this morning. Jesus himself recorded in the Gospels, Matthew 10, 14 to 15. It will be more tolerable, he says, for pagan cities like Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for those who spurn the gospel. There's a warning here. Don't drift. I don't know what the answer for you will be this morning. I don't know where you are this morning in your salvation. Maybe you have drifted. Maybe you're in danger of drifting. Maybe you've been drifting all your life and you've never received this amazing salvation. Well, in Hebrews 6, 19, it tells us this. It says, this hope we have, this salvation, as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. This morning, as you consider so great a salvation, these passages are urging you to respond. Respond to that salvation. Whatever that means for you, respond to that salvation. Grab hold of that anchor. Don't drift. Instead, be steadfast and sure because of the one who is the anchor, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us this morning. Father God, we thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for so great a salvation. We thank you, Lord, that you are active 
in this world and active in our lives. We thank you, Lord, from the bottom of our hearts that we have received so great a salvation. And Lord, we call upon you this morning and we seek that we may not drift, that we may pay closer attention. Holy Spirit, come and help us. And Lord, I pray this morning for those that are listening that perhaps have never received this great salvation. Oh Lord, I pray this morning that they would turn to you, that they would turn to you and they would ask for forgiveness of sin. And Lord, that they would ask to receive so great a salvation. Lord, would you set an urgency in our hearts? Would you help us, Lord, to stay close to you? Help those, Lord, who may have drifted further than they would ever have thought they could, looking back at you and desiring that closeness of relationship. Lord, I pray for each one this morning that they would grab hold to the anchor that you have given them. That, Lord, that they would come back to you this morning. And, Lord, that they may reconcile that drifting with you. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. Lord, we ask these things in your precious name. Amen.